Well, I, I mean, there's just so much room for improvement. You know, I, I have so much to learn. Amen. And every time I talk with somebody who has been successful on one front or the other or multiple facets of their life, I realize, wow, I have a lot of room to improve. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's a pretty powerful opportunity when you get to talk with hundreds and hundreds of men who, who are achieving it in big ways. And, and it's very humbling to, to see how far they are and be inspired with how far you have yet to go. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have an incredible guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is a repeat guest. He is the founder, the visionary behind the movement that is the Order of Man. He's also the author of a best-selling book that I have read. Not only have I read it, but I have underlined it. I have taken notes inside the book and in my notebooks. It was that powerful and that impactful. And the name of his book is The Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Men, Sovereignty. I'm speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Ryan Mickler. Welcome to the show, Ryan. What's up, Nikki? Glad to be here, man. Looking forward to our conversation. Ditto, brother. Ditto. Well, listen, man, longtime listeners to the show will know who you are because you've been on the show before, and I've gotten to know you a little bit over the past couple of years. But the person who's listening to the show who maybe hasn't been a longtime listener listens to the show for a very particular reason. They're someone I call a heart leader. They're a thought leader with a heart. They want to make a difference in the world. And they listen to the show because they want to learn from you. They want to learn from you how they can become the best version of themselves. But before they can fully open themselves to you and fully trust what you have to say, they need to get to know you. They need to connect with you. And the way that they do that is is by you sharing your story with us. So tell us your backstory, man. How'd you get to be the great Ryan Mickler, the founder of the great movement known as the Order of Man? (laughs) I just started it. <laughs> like that's all I can say. Like, I mean, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I run the order of man. I don't really have anything all that special other than a desire to be a better man myself. So I launched this thing in March of 2015 and immediately took off and I never placed myself on any pedestal. I don't feel like I belonged and told guys, this is where I'm going and this is where I want to improve. And if you want to join me, let's do it together. If not, that's okay too. And, uh, yeah, it's been an exciting transformation for me, transformation for tens, if not hundreds of thousands of men, maybe even millions at this point through, you know, our work in reclaiming and restoring what it means to be a man. So it's been a great journey. So what made you decide to do this in the first place? Uh, you know, it was really selfishly driven, frankly, uh, I wanted to become a better man myself. I wanted to step up as a father and a husband and a, and a business owner, a leader in my community, And uh, I had another podcast prior to this. It was geared towards teaching medical professionals uh, 
financial literacy and services, which is my background. Uh, so I had another podcast for that and I did that for about 20 or so episodes and realized I really loved the medium of podcasting, but didn't want to ha- continue to have the same conversation I'd always had and, uh, for about a decade or so. So, uh, I thought what, what better way to, to use the platform of, of podcasting, something I enjoy, uh, to get the information out, to be able to reach out to powerful men who have something to share, who are doing wonderful things and get some coaching from them and publish it and broadcast it to the world. So like I said, we did that in 2015 and, uh, it was, it's been a good thing. It's been a good ride. So you wanted to be a better man. You wanted to be a better father, a better husband, a better business owner. So why? You know, that's a good question. I, I, I feel like I never really got a lot of that as I was growing up. Uh, I didn't really, understand how a man showed up for his wife and his kids. I wasn't successful at the point in, in business. My, uh, my, my body had, had, I hadn't been taking care of my body and my, my, my fitness up to that point, my health. So I was experiencing a lot of hardship. I think that's the way, you know, most people want to learn, you know, they have to go through some sort of negative ramification. The pain of staying where you currently are has to be greater than the potential pain you're going to experience when you change or grow and improve. Uh, so for me, you know, that, that, that pain and that frustration became a point where I I just wasn't willing to tolerate it anymore. So that's where I started my own personal journey. And I thought what better way to do it than to have some accountability and documenting the thing. Uh, so that's, that's, that's how it came to be. You know, I find that fascinating because there's something you wanted for yourself. You wanted to be a better man because you were dissatisfied with how you were showing up as a man for a variety of reasons. And you decided that, okay, I'm going to go on this journey, but while I go on this journey, I want to bring a bunch of people with me. I want to bring a bunch of men with me. I want to teach as I grow. And there's there's a fellow by the name of Professor Glasser, and he created something called Glasser Choice Theory. Glasser Choice Theory says that the fastest and best way to learn is actually to teach something to someone else. So whatever you want to learn, if you go and you teach it to other people, you're going to learn it better for yourself. And I don't know if you knew about Glasser Choice Theory, but even if you didn't, you seem to follow its precepts and they really work for you, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I think indirectly. I, you know, I don't, yeah, I, I guess that would be true. I, I mean, I really had, again, I, I didn't put myself on some pedestal of the, the epitome of masculinity. I don't feel like I was at that point. In fact, I don't. I still don't feel like I'm at that point. Yeah, you're pretty down there so guy. It, That's one of the reasons I love you, man. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's just so much room for improvement. You know, I, I have so much to learn. Amen. And every time I talk with somebody who has been successful on one front or the other or multiple facets of their life, I realize, wow, I have a lot of room to improve. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's a pretty powerful opportunity when you get to talk with hundreds and hundreds of men who, who are achieving it in big ways. And, and it's very humbling to, to see how far they are and be inspired with how far you have yet to go. No, you know, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And that's one of the reasons so many people are attracted to what, to what you do and who you are, because you're a down-earth guy. You, you, you tell it like it is. You've got something to say. It's powerful. It's real. You don't pull any punches, but you're pretty down-to-earth, and you don't pretend you've got it all figured out. And that's one of the things that I've always really admired about you. That's why I bought your book, right? And I appreciate that, man. I really do. No, yeah, absolutely. But honestly, man, really, I'm the one who appreciates the fact that you wrote this book. I'm the one who appreciates the fact that you put your heart and your soul into showing me and showing your hundreds of thousands, if not millions of listeners and readers and followers around the world, 
you know, that there is a way for a man to operate in the world. There is a blueprint, if you will, a, a manual that men can use to not feel so lost. One of my one of my beliefs right now is today in 2020, men are lost, right? Men don't know what it is to be a man. Society's telling them things like, oh my God, masculinity is toxic. What a horrible phrase, right? I mean, it's sexism yeah, is all get right, out. I hate it. It's, it's awful. It's evil. It's wrong. They should, they should cut it out. But it's also putting men in a, in, in, in a situation where the messages from society and the culture at large are like, there's something wrong with you, you know, you're bad, you're wrong, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yesterday on Facebook, there's a fellow who uh, I consider a friend who posted something that he meant tongue in cheek, but he said, hey, you know, during the pandemic, blah, 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 you know, I'm, I'm reading more, I'm, I'm, I'm writing more. I'm also figuring out that if I did something wrong and my wife's upset, it's my fault, but if I'm upset with my wife, it's still my fault. And he kind of said it tongue in cheek. But I thought about that and I go, there's no way anybody would say that in reverse about women. You know what I mean? There's just no way they would do it. And they shouldn't do it. But why is it okay to say that about men? And what you do is you help men who feel lost become unlost through this book. So, Ryan, tell us a little bit about this book. What made you write this book? I think I, I'm in agreement with you. You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of men specifically are, are kind of floating around. They're directionless. They don't have any, any, any port to which they're going. They have no goals, ambitions, desires. A lot of that has been trained into them and trained out of them, frankly. Um, you know, and a lot of people have given up their, their sovereignty, their control over themselves. And they've done it because in a lot of ways it's, it's more simple. It's easy. You know, it's easy to, to hope and pray that somebody else is going to provide for you. And, and in many ways, society will and governments will and your family will. But when you're relying upon somebody else to take care of you and provide the necessities of life, it's always inferior to what you can and should be doing for yourself. And not only that, there's no free lunch. Yeah, I mean, even take the stimulus package, you know, the people getting 1200 bucks or whatever it is. It's like, you know, if, that, if that's going to help you put food on the table and pay your mortgage for the next 30 days, then, you know, I hope it does. I hope it does help you. But man, what a sad position that you have to be relying upon the government sending you a check for $1,000, your money, or probably more accurately, somebody else's money, uh, to, to, to be able to pay your mortgage, to be able to put food on the table. Like what, what a pathetic state. And, and I'm trying to say that with as little as judgment as possible, but I think men generally believe and know that if they're accepting handouts like that and that's what they need to survive, then they're doing it inferiorly. Like they aren't doing it the way they can and should be doing it. So sovereignty is a, it's a battle cry. It's a, it's a call to step up, to take control of your life, to make yourself independent, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, make yourself independent and capable and free yourself from the strings that are attached to government hands out, handouts and subsidies and subjecting yourself to an employer, your potential wife, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I love it, man. I love the whole concept of it. I love the term sovereignty, because what it means is that you're sovereign over your own life, right? Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. you meant when you use that term. I think you chose it very deliberately, didn't you? Well, of course. I mean, you look at the term. Look at the root word, reign. Right to reign, to rule over yourself. Nice. You know, we talk about leadership, and we hear a lot about leadership and. Uh, most people think that leadership is some sort of external thing we do. We employ these tactics and strategies to get other people to do things, right? And and that's that, I guess that's part of it. But I look at leadership as as influence. 
Like I can't force you or anybody else to behave a certain way, but I can influence you to do it, which means that you have to voluntarily decide that you are going to be influenced, inspired, motivated, and led by me or whoever it is you're following. The only way to be more influential is to be worthy of following, which means that it's not about leading others. It's more about leading yourself. And then they get to decide if they're going to be led by you. But you have a choice and you need to learn to lead yourself. When you can do that effectively, when you can reign and rule over yourself, people will be inspired and want to follow that. I love that, man. You know, when you said leadership is influence, one of my past guests on the show is John Maxwell. I'm sure you know John Maxwell, right? He wrote the 21. Yeah, yeah he's a phenomenal guy. Uh, 21 uh, Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And the most important one, he said, is the law of influence, right? Because leadership at the end of it is influence. And when you say you have sovereignty over yourself, it's like you have influence over yourself. There's so many of us that don't even have influence over ourselves. You know what I mean? Sometimes I've, I've let my own influence lapse over myself. Like being trapped in this pandemic, you know, I've told myself, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be tighter on what I eat. But yesterday I was at the health food store, man, and I saw these cheese loaves, you know? And, and, and I don't normally eat cheese or loaves, but I love these cheese loaves. I hadn't had them in a while. I bought a couple and I scarfed them down last night and I knew I shouldn't have done that. So I, I didn't lead myself. I wasn't sovereign over myself last night, you know? And when, when I was thinking about this interview today, I'm going, yeah, you know what? I'm going to tell one of myself. I'm going to tell Ryan I was a, I was a jack. You know, the Jack, you know what? I'm not going to use that word because we're a family-rated show over here. <laughs> but, 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 you know, that's exactly what happened. And that's a problem so many people have, but especially so many men. And what I love about your book is you challenge men. And I think that even men who are lost, innately at the center, at the core of their soul, they know that something's wrong and they also know that they need to be challenged. So when someone like you writes a book like this and, and posts what you post in your Facebook group and, 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 and says what you say on your podcast, you're challenging men. And there's something innate in, in man, in a masculine man, that rises to that challenge. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I believe that's true. I believe that we are driven by being challenged. We are driven by competition. We're driven by the desire to improve you know, sometimes that's taken to an unhealthy level. If you look into the comparison trap, for example, and, and if it's hindering your ability to grow and expand, then it becomes a problem. But generally, you know, men do rise to the challenge. We're, we're the protectors. We're the providers. We're the ones that go out and take the risk. We, you know, we were traditionally the ones who would go out and, and hunt for food and, and protect the resources and women against violent encounters and situations and other tribes that would have those things. So I don't think that's gone away in modern times. I think you have to choose to step into this because nobody's going to force you to, right? Like it's not a requirement that you are a man anymore. That's a, that's a decision that you have to make. Mm. And we better, and we better talk about the distinction between male and man. Like male is biology. Right? Yes. That's just, you're, you're born a male or you're not, but being a man is something entirely different. It's a higher calling. It's something that you step into. It's something you learn from other men. It's funny because every once in a while I'll hear, and I don't hear this as much, anymore, but I used to hear this more often is real men don't need to learn what it means to be a man from other men. It's like, <laughs> that's actually the furthest thing from the truth. Like that is exactly where men learn how to become men from the men who have gone before. So 
yeah, when you get in somebody's face, you know, but, but, but you do it from a position of, Hey, I care about you. I mean, this is the same thing about a team. Like anybody who's been on team sports, they know, like you'd get in, you'd get in a teammate's face for making an error or messing up or, or missing his block or whatever. But it didn't mean that you didn't like him. It just meant that you wanted him to succeed and you wanted the team to succeed. And that that's still with us. Those, those urges and those desires and those characteristics are still with us, even though they've lied dormant in so many men. Oh man, that's so powerful. I love what you just said. Let's unpack a, a little bit of that, okay, shall we? So you talk about you learn how to be a man from other men. The first time I heard that was from a mentor of mine by the name of Owen Williams. So uh, I used to be married and, and I got separated and then later divorced. And when I was going through that, uh, a good friend of mine introduced me to Owen. And Owen has been doing a lot of work for men in relationship crisis. That's, that's kind of a specialty, right? Is he goes and he helps men mm-hmm. who are, whose marriages are falling apart. And and the first thing that he, that he impressed upon me when I sat with him for the first time was, hey, man, you know what? I know you think you're a man, but to really learn how to be a man, the kind of man that could maybe turn your marriage around, you got to learn that from other men. And it made innate sense to me. So I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So he says, look, you know what? I'm running a group for men. Come join our group. So that's the first thing I did after a one-on-one session with him is I joined joined that men's group. And what, what you're saying here makes so much sense. And that's why it's important to have organizations like the Order of Man Around because the men in that organization can learn about being a man from the other men, right? Or along the way, we've bought into the idea of the lone wolf. You know, you look at James Bond or Jason Bourne or John Wayne. There's all sorts of, of, of these lone wolf type men. And we look at these guys and we think, oh, these, are, these guys are the epitome of masculinity. And they're alone. I mean, they have some characteristics to be desired by men for sure, but generally they're alone. And so we bought into this notion that we too should be alone, that we should be independent, that we can operate free and independent of other men. And we can do a degree, but it's an inferior result. When we band with other men who push us, who drive us, who motivate us, who teach us, who coach, who instruct, who kick us on the ass occasionally when we need it, Amen. We, we become better. We become more capable and stronger and bolder uh, together. So I, I dismiss the idea of the lone wolf. Um, it it sounds, sounds cool, sounds sexy, looks like that on the silver screen, but ultimately it's... Uh, self as a man is not a, it's not a constructive habit and it certainly isn't serving you or anybody else. Well, no, amen. Amen. Well said, well said. So look, you, you've broken your book into four parts, right? Part one is the battle. Part two is the mission. Part three is the code of conduct. And part four is the battle plan. And there's chapters that you go into in each of these parts where you go deeper into it. Can, can you kind of walk us through big picture why you came up with this four part process to get your message across in the book? Yeah. Well, I think, I think men operate best having, having a framework and we we need to have a track to run on. There, there really isn't a whole lot of new information out there. I mean, there's, there's ways that it's been packaged and constructed and put together. And for me, it's really, it's all, I've always had the goal of, of codifying masculinity to some degree. Now I realize in some ways, masculinity can be subjective. I think there's generally throughout most most of history and throughout all cultures, uh, cultures have looked at masculinity very much the same way, which reinforces the idea that it's not a social construct. It's a biological construct. It just happens to be supported societally because it works. So, but we, but like I said, codifying masculinity has always been something that's been important to me. I, you know, I look at the Boy Scouts, for example, 
which was once a great organization. They've lost their way quite a, quite a bit quite they recently. Have. They have. But they put together a system and a program and, and codified how to turn a young, immature, incapable little boy into a competent, confident, capable man. And they did it through the process of rank advancements and merit badges and different patches that you can earn. This is the same thing that I think men are looking for too. It's not that the information isn't out there, but how do we consume it? How do we have this track to run on? You look at the military, it's a great, another great example. You have, you advance in the military, right? You, you, you get your, your next rank and there's things that you need to do, time and service and certain requirements and certain activities. And then you have an interview. Like we have a desire to run on this track to be able to see the progress that we make. And in the book, I laid it out that way because I want men to know, okay, well, here's the problem. Here's the other hidden problem that a lot of people don't see. Mm. And here's how we begin to break it down. Here's what you need, the foundational information you need to address the problem. And then here's specifically how, how you do it. And then now you create your own plan. That's the battle plan, right? So now you create your own plan to be able to improve, improve your situation. So it's, it's informational. And at the end, it, it's like you said, challenging. Now I challenge you to create your own plan so you can become the type of man that you want to become. I love it, man. I think every man should own this book. There's going to be a point where I'm going to I'm going to order a bunch of these from you. I'm going to have you sign them for me and give them to a bunch of men I know here in Toronto, because I just think this is probably the one of the most important books, if not the most important book on men and masculinity that I've read. And I've I've spent a lot of time in the last ten years digging deep into some serious thought leaders in this arena. And this book, what I love about this book, is it shows you as a man, if you're lost, how to get unlost, for lack of a better way of saying it. And if you feel sure, like yeah. you haven't got it figured out, how you can figure it out for yourself. So it's not like you you grab the man by the hand and, and then throw him on your back and you walk him across the, the creek. You show him, hey, man, there's the creek. Stand up. Let's get you going. You push him over. And then he figures it out for himself. And that gives a man a feeling of confidence, a feeling of power. So God bless you and thank you for writing this book, man. It's such an important and powerful book. Yeah, thank you. I really like that you're talking about having a man do it for himself. You know, it's like you can do, you can only do so much for another individual, but it isn't until they take ownership and responsibility of their own progress that they begin to see that, that improvement and they own it, right? They own that improvement. So it, it's not enough just to tell people what they should be doing and give them all the information. I've always had this goal of bridging the gap between what we know we should be doing because most men know right? Most men know what they should be doing. So it's the gap between what we know we should be doing and then what we're actually doing. And that requires buy-in from the individual who says they have a desire to change. When the road meets the road, we'll, we'll, we'll find out if that's true or not. <laughs> you know, I, I think the desire to change is there for everybody. The desire to do the hard work required to change, that's a whole different story, right? Yeah, I mean, they want the benefit without the effort. Yeah. Right. Like sure. everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die, right? <laughs> so it's like... Yeah, which is understandable, you know, it's understandable. But if you realize and embrace the idea that you can't have the result without the toil, the sweat, the blood, the tears, then... I think you'll, you'll be willing to embrace that a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And here's the other thing that I think is important. Like I'm, I'm going to tell another one on myself. So 
on my own, I'm a lazy loiterer. You know what I mean? I'll sit on my couch. I'll binge on uh, YouTube and Netflix videos. I saw you on Brian Reel's London Reel uh, podcast, man. That was pretty cool. So I've been watching a lot of that guy's Thank stuff you. lately. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, he's, I, I really respect that guy, especially what he's been doing lately. Uh, and, 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 and I commend him for standing up for free speech and not letting his voice be silenced. I think it's really important and very powerful. But it's really easy for me to be that lazy loiterer that's, you know, on his couch, watching YouTube videos, Netflix videos, eating more than I should be eating and being lazy, not making the calls I should be making for my business and whatnot. But when I'm part of a brotherhood of men and I know that I've got to answer to those brotherhood of men. And tonight, I'm part of a men's group here in Toronto, and um, we're having Mm -hmm. a Zoom meeting tonight. Normally, we meet face-to-face around the fire, but that's not allowed right now. So I know i got to talk to these men, and because I'm going to be talking to these men, I know that I I can't let myself be lazy because I don't want to be embarrassed going in front of one of my brothers and telling him I was a lazy ass. You know what I mean? I want to be able to tell that man, hey, you know what? I, I I did what I said I was going to do. I, I took it on. I completed my tasks. And, and, and for me, while I need to do the work, there's nobody else who's going to do the work for me. Being a part of something bigger than myself, like what you've created, is what gives me the juice, what gives me the fire inside my heart and soul to allow me to get to that next level. Yeah. And I mean, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, isn't it such a powerful thing that you have other other men in your life who motivate you, who inspire you, who push you in the right direction, who challenge you. That's, that's the whole point. It's, it's definitely not comfortable, you know, but, but that's what you need. You need discomfort in order to grow. You have, you have to have that pain. And, and that's what other men bring to each other, not in a negative way, you know, not in a hurtful way or a dangerous way, but I mean, I guess it could be taken to that extreme, but in a way that is actually motivating and inspiring you and pushing you in the right direction. So well said, man. So well said. I, you know, I, I love everything about your movement, what you've created. I love everything about this book. And I say this to you as a listener. If you're listening to this, you need to go pick up not just one copy of Sovereignty for yourself. You need to pick up like 10 copies and you need to give copies of this book away to the men in your life that you really care about. You know, you need to give it to brothers you know, husbands, fathers, sons, and you need to tell the man, read this book, sit down at your at your table, at your desk, have a notebook, take notes, underline passages, and get into action around something that's important for you in your life, because this book will help you do that. In fact, there's this wonderful part of this book where basically, you know, the, the uh, I think it's, it's part four, right? The battle plan, right? Where you, you really actually get a man who's working with you with this book to, to like take steps in an area of life that's important to him, right? Right, right. Yeah. So why is that so important as far as you're concerned? Why did you make sure that you included this as, at, at the end of your book? Well, again, it comes down to the the notion that I just, I didn't want it to be something that people read and then just put back up on the shelf and then maybe occasionally looked at it or glanced through it. Like I wanted it to be an actual manual that they could use and implement in their life. When I started in uh, March of 2015, and I said this earlier, is always my goal to bridge the gap between what we know and what we actually do. And if I just put a book out there and I said, here's 
here's all the information you need, but didn't challenge anybody to move forward, then I would have been part of the problem. Just adding more noise and nonsense and information to the equation when it was already there. It's, it's redundant. It's already there. So let's just build this framework and then let's make sure that you're taking the information and you're actually applying it because the information doesn't matter. If you don't apply it, it's useless. It's only when you apply it practically, efficiently, effectively, uh, does it become something that's going to change you and change the people that you have an obligation and responsibility for. Uh, that, that's why I created it like that. And I want men not to buy into my plan. I think that's part of the problem with, with the self-development space Hmm. is you could look at what somebody else is doing and say, okay, well, I need to wake up at what time that guy wakes up and I need to be doing the hobbies that guy does. And I need to be lifting and exercising and training the exact way he does. And that's just not true. I mean, there's elements like you should wake up early because you can get a lot done. You should move your body because it's good to take care of your physical and mental health. But that doesn't mean you need to do it the exact same way somebody else does. So if I just wrote a book and I said, here, do it my way, and nobody's going to experience the same results that I do because we all have different experiences and circumstances and situations and perspectives and backgrounds and experiences. So here's a track to run and now plug your own variable into the, into the equation. It's a lot like those books. Like when I was little, I read a lot of books. They were called choose your own adventure. And you remember those books? Did you ever see those? I gotta be honest, man. I'm originally from the middle East, so I never saw those, but tell me about them. Okay. Yeah. So basically you'd, you'd read this fictional book and you'd get like 10 pages into this, this story. And then at the end of the 10 pages, it would say, it would give you a choice, right? So it would tell you, okay, if you would do this, then go to page 15. If you would do this, then go to page 13. And then you would have to choose, well, I think I would do this. And then you'd fast forward to page 17 and then it would continue with a story based on your choice. And you did that 10 to 15 times throughout the story. It's actually very cool. Got you engaged in the story. I love this it. This is very much the same way. It's like, okay, here's the framework. Now, what would you do? And here's how you plug your variables and your equation in, or your circumstances into this equation. And now you can create the results that you have a desire to create. It's a powerful way to do it. It's super powerful, man. Choose your own adventure. That's pretty cool. So you know what, right. Ryan? I, I say... I'm going to offer this to my listener right now as a 90-day challenge. So pick up a copy of Sovereignty, read it, and take on Choose Your Own Adventure. Do a 12-week and 90-day challenge because that's one of the things that, that you talk about you know, in the battle plan section of your book, right? Pick something that you want to accomplish over the next 12 weeks and then follow the framework here to actually make it happen. So I'm going to take this on as a 12-week as a Choose Your Own Adventure reclaim sovereignty over my life challenge. And the area that I'm going to do it on is on my nutrition and eating. You know, I used to be one of the top fitness coaches in North America. And right now I'm in okay shape compared to other people, but compared to the shape I was in, I suck. So I'm going to take that on over the next 90 days. I'm going to completely transform my health, my nutrition. And I offer this as a challenge to my listener. In fact, I'll put it up on various social media and let people follow through on that because I think it's that important and that it's that powerful. Excellent. Well, and it works well because the battle plan is based on a 90 day plan. So it'll be perfect for that. Exactly. That's why I said that, right? <laughs> because of that. So, yep. Yep. so I think that's fantastic. I think that's great. So, right. How do folks pick up a copy of your book or 10 copies, as, as, as I say, and how do they find out more about the Order of Man and the Iron Council, all the other amazing things you do to help men who feel lost get unlost? Yeah. I mean, you can go to the podcast. So that's Order of Man, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can learn about what we're doing. 
orderman.com is our headquarters. And there's a screen on the Orderman website that you can click on and it will take you to uh, some instructions on how to receive a signed copy of the book Sovereignty. So if that's something you're interested in, it'll show you how to do that. You can do that at orderofman.com. I love it, man. I think that's fantastic. And I'll, I'll be ordering a bunch of copies from you as well directly and ask you to sign them for me and some of my clients and friends. I think that's fantastic. So we like to end off each and every one of our episodes by asking you as our guest expert to share with our listener your top three expert action steps that they can take on in their life or their business to take their life or business to the next level. So what do you say? Uh, I would say number one is plan out your day. Like if you aren't planning your day and you're just kind of letting people dictate what you do and kind of just going with based on, on your emotion of how you feel in any given moment, then you're selling yourself short. So use a system, the battle plan. If you're, you're going to take on the challenge that Nikki presented, use, use that tool as, as a way to be more intentional about your day. So I take 20 minutes out of every morning and I plan out what I'm going to be doing, what I'm going to be accomplishing, what tasks need to get done and prioritizing how I'm going to get that done. That's first and foremost. Uh, second, I would say move and exercise, you know, train your body every single day, move. There are no rest days. Uh, and I'm not saying you have to go hard and kill yourself every single day, but you don't need to rest. People don't need to rest as much as, as we think we do. And your body will give you exactly what you demand of it. So if training your body one hour every single day for the rest of your life becomes the pattern, then that's the new baseline for you. That's the, that's the normal for you. And you'll be able to go above and beyond, but uh, your body's going to do exactly what you demand of it. Third, I would say, I'm trying to think of something that maybe people don't usually hear a lot. Here, here's one, be selfish, hmm. be a little selfish. You know, I think there's too many men out there who, and look, this is noble, but we get so wrapped up in our jobs and serving our, our families and, and, and helping and, and be charitable and, and serving where we can and doing all the things for other people. And that's all great and wonderful. We should be doing those things. But if you can't carve out time for yourself, for a hobby or something that's important to you, like reading or playing the guitar or jujitsu or shooting or painting or whatever your thing is that you can just get out, get, get everything out of the way, be distraction free and just focus on that thing that rejuvenates and recharges you. Uh, if you do that, you will be more equipped to serve people more fully. This isn't about going your own way indefinitely. Uh, it's not about rejecting the responsibilities and obligations you have. It's about recharging so you can serve in those capacities more fully and more effectively. You know, I think that's a positive myself. One of my favorite writers of all time is Ayn Rand. She wrote Atlas Shrugged and the Fountainhead, which are two of the greatest books ever written. In fact, I think Atlas Shrugged is the second best-selling book that's been in print for a while to the Bible in the world, right? Oh, is that right? Wow. Hundreds of thousands. If, if, have you ever read The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged? I've never read either, no. Brother, do yourself a favor. Don't pass go. Go to Amazon, order them, 
read those two books. They are incredible books. She wrote them. She wrote The Fountainhead in the 40s, and she wrote Atlas Shrugged in the 50s. The Fountainhead was made into a movie starring Gary Cooper. Uh, Phenomenal, phenomenal book. Uh, Phenomenal movie. Gary Cooper is one of my all-time favorite actors. These are message books, and they powerfully speak to the individual. And she wrote these books basically at a time where collectivism was all the rage, and she stood up and said, no, 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 no. We need to celebrate the individual. And she wrote some and these are books of fiction. They're novels, but they, they're they wonderfully written, fantastic, and you should buy the movies and watch the movies too. But in any event, you, can get, you, you ought to read these books. But she wrote a book called The Virtue of Selfishness. She wrote a number of fic, nonfiction books, and this was one of them, where she actually spends about 160 pages getting into what's great about selfishness and why more people need to start doing the kinds of things that you talked about in your third expert action step. So uh, I, I really like that you said that. It's something that no other guest in over 200 plus episodes that we've done on the show has ever said. And I think it's something very necessary and very important for men and women, honestly, to be able to take on in their life, to make their life more meaningful to them and, and, and a life where they're feeding their soul. So kudos to you for all three of those expert action steps, but especially the third one. Thank you, brother. Right on. You bet. Yeah. So listener. You can tell by listening to Ryan that this man is the real deal. He walks his talk, right? He's real. He's not pretending he's got it all figured out, but he's got a lot of things figured out really nicely. So you definitely need to pick up a copy of his book, 10 copies, hand them out to people. But you might be thinking to yourself, hey, Nikki, Ryan is amazing. And the question that's going through my mind right now as I'm listening to Ryan is, can I be the best version of myself? the way Ryan seems to be the best version of himself. Can I get past those negative chattering monkeys in my head, the ones that tell me I'm not enough, you know, that maybe I'm wasting my life, maybe I'm not even worthy or worthy of love, and and that I, I'm, I'm a loser, or, or all those crazy chattering thoughts that from time to time come into your head and take you out of the game. And here's my answer to you. Of course you can. Of course you can be the best version of yourself. Of course you can silence those crazy thoughts and those crazy chattering monkeys. And here's the way to do it. Number one is, listen, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast and that you share it with at least three of your friends. Because the more you share the genius of my great guest that you're learning from, the more you're going to learn and the more you give, the more you get. This is super important. Number two, go to my website, ecircleacademy.com, and watch this masterclass I put together there on exactly how to create your own blueprint for how to take your genius, your gifts, and turn it into a, a, a powerful commercial enterprise. Or if you already have a commercial enterprise, into making that commercial enterprise more effective. So make sure you watch that. It's absolutely free. And all you got to do is sit down with a notebook and take really, really great notes. Okay? Make sure you do this. And make sure you take advantage of both of these fantastic offers. And finally, if at the end of all that, you feel like you still need more help, there's another button on that website where you can go jump on a call with myself or a member of my team, and we can help you out. And that call is free too. It's our pleasure to do that because we want to make sure that the great people, the heart leaders that listen to this show have what they need to get themselves as the best version that they can possibly be. Ryan Mickler, my friend, thank you so much for honoring us by being a guest on our show and talking about your incredible book, Sovereignty. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, it's, it, it's my pleasure. 
And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's unbelievable guest and his phenomenal book, Sovereignty, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes, and until next time, goodbye.